Welcome to Invited In, a podcast connecting the global family of Samaritan's Purse. I'm Christy Graham, and the goal of this podcast truly is to connect, inform, and encourage the body of Samaritan's Purse. So whether you're a staff member, a family member, or a donor, we want you to be connected. And today we have um, Aileen Coleman in the studio. Aileen is a woman who is very hard to introduce because she's a giant of the faith. She has been a missionary in Mofrak, Jordan for 64 years and has been one of the key people in Samaritan's Purse President Franklin Graham's life. With medals of honor from the Queen of England and the King of Jordan, and too many recognitions to mention, her favorite title is still the Desert Rat. Thank you, Aileen, for joining us today. My pleasure. So I always love hearing people's personal stories. Would you share how you ended up with this call and your heart for missions? Well, I didn't plan to be a missionary. (laughs) In my growing up years, I had a wonderful praying mother and a a father who was a believer, and— I was the youngest of seven, and I had brothers, and I tried to outplay the brothers, (laughs) outfight the brothers, and, um, but I I decided when I was about in my late teens, when I get to college, I'm going to do my own thing, Hmm. and uh, I chose to rebel, Hmm. and for four years, I rebelled very seriously, broke my parents' hearts, but it was... I knew I was doing wrong. Hmm. And I, I, my brothers, when we were young, they'd say, I bet you're not game to do this. Hmm. And I went to, to college and I became known as the happy drunk. Hmm. And I was invited to parties because I was entertaining. So I was trying to get as far away as I could from parental control hmm. and from doing what I knew was right. And so... Um, my first three years of college, I did everything I thought was good, which was, was not good. It was destroying me. And I remember one time I was in, the, I'm, a, I'm a nurse, I was in the nurse's um, residence and somebody said, hey, this is, this is a circus down the road, a big tent. And I lived, grew up in a small town and I went down to look and they, I said, there's no animals, how can it be a circus? <laughs> The second night of the, this, they called it a revival. It wasn't a revival, it was evangelistic. I was dared again by my fellow students to go and because I couldn't re, uh, reject a dare, I went. And that night I heard the voice of God and my life lived for Aileen Coleman was over. And um, I didn't need another um, dramatic conversion experience I knew that I knew the gospel. I'd heard the gospel, but that night I realized that my life had been changed in a minute, mm-hmm. um, and I'm still growing in faith. I haven't arrived yet, <laughs> probably not until I get to heaven. But um, straight away I knew that I was going to be a missionary. Mm-hmm. I had um, no f- bolt of lightning from heaven, but I knew that uh, this is what God had in mind for me. My parents were in shock, <laughs> mm-hmm. and, um, and, and my former student friends dropped me. Um, really? But as I, um, and so I thought, well, missionaries delivered babies. So in my postgraduate work, I did what in Australia they call bush obstetrics, where nurses do a lot of um, procedures that uh, usually doctors only do. Mm-hmm. And so I finished that, and I thought, now I've got to go to Bible school because I thought that's what missionaries did. 
I'm so thankful of the two years I had in Bible school because um, I needed that mm-hmm. understanding of what God wanted for me to understand from his word. And so um, I took, a, a, not all the grave clothes had fallen off, so I went to Bible school loud. And one time the dean of women said, you're like your climate. I grew up in Queensland. She said, you're loud and you're hot, <laughs> so calm down. I didn't. Mm-hmm. I'm still working on that one. <laughs> um, but um, I think to, quiet, to keep me busy, she gave me the worst assignment in the school, which was the Muslim world. I had visions of being a missionary, translating the Bible or doing something very exotic, mm-hmm. but God. Mm-hmm. And so I had to write, get, uh, prepare a paper for graduation. So I wrote to one missionary lady, obstetrician, in what is now um, the Emirates, and she wrote, uh, she did not know I was a nurse. She just knew I had to complete this assignment. And at the end of her letter, she wrote, uh, pray that God will send us a nurse who's had postgraduate work in OBGYN. And so I often say to people, be careful what you pray for, <laughs> because God might, might hear you. And uh, so that was my call to the Muslim world, um, to the Middle East. I didn't continue delivering babies because um, we had a small hospital, maternity hospital, where we only got very complicated cases and I only had enough Arabic to tell the patients how to deliver a baby, Mm -hmm. push, don't push, Mm -hmm. breathe. And so I, I felt very frustrated that I couldn't speak to patients I wanted to tell them about Jesus. Mm-hmm. And so I asked if I could go to, um, to Jordan to study Arabic. And I was sent to a tuberculosis hospital where they treat mainly uh, Bedouin patients. The Bedouins are these wonderful people who live in tents in the desert, descendants of Abraham mm-hmm. through Ishmael. And it was there I realised that this was where God wanted me to be. And I've just delivered a few missionary babies since for the last 60 years I've been in in Mufruk. Love the way the Lord led your steps. So you mentioned that you had a praying mother, and when you rebelled and you walked away from the Lord, what advice would you give to parents or listeners who are faithfully praying for their children or loved ones who don't know the Lord? I broke my mother's heart. Mm -hmm. She heard about—I lived in a small town. She heard of the things I did, and— but she kept praying for me, and she kept loving me. Mm. I knew I was wrong. I didn't have to have her preach at me. And if some of you mothers have got sons or daughters that are wandering away, mm-hmm. just keep praying. Be available for them, and don't preach at them too much. They know they're wrong. Mm. And be ready for them when they come back. And so when you were just 24 years old, you left um, to go serve as a missionary. What, what advice would you give to 24-year-old? Aileen? It's a wonderful life. It's a hard life, but it's a life full of blessing, full of uh, wonderful happenings when you see what the Lord's doing for you and through you. Mm. And I would say, to, as if there's any young people, be sure of your call. Mm-hmm. Don't go and try it out mm-hmm. and see if, it, if it'll work. It won't. Mm-hmm. But if you, if before you leave, your home country, be sure that God has called you and he's going to take care of you. 
So you touched a little bit on the Bedouin people. Can you introduce us to them and the people you've fallen in love with? You've become a blood brother yes. um, with them. The Bedouin people are intelligent, ignorant, um, because they've never had the chance. Mm-hmm. They're uh, mainly shepherds, although some have been educated now. And uh, in Jordan, the Minister of Health recently was a Bedouin man who went to London and became a doctor and, and very intelligent man. But the Bedouin people, how could I describe them? They're proud. They're arrogant. They're satisfied with their lifestyle. They're very loyal. It takes a long time to be accepted, but once you have a Bedouin friend, you've got a friend for life. Mm-hmm. But they are Muslim, needing Christ. Mm-hmm. So what kept you focused on the mission? You, you endured wars, turmoil in the country. Your, your dear friend passed away. How did you keep serving and going? I found that my answers to all situations are in the Word of God. Mm-hmm. And I remember when Eleanor Salto, my colleague of 42 years, was mm-hmm. killed in a, a fire in her apartment. I thought, how can I go on? Mm-hmm. But it was then I was just reading in Joshua 1, where it says, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now you cross into Jordan. Hmm. And I thought, I'm already in Jordan. <laughs> the command of Joshua 1.9, was, which spoke to my heart after Eleanor was killed in a fire, my colleague of 42 years, hmm. God spoke to my heart when he said, Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be terrified and discouraged, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. So how did you come to terms with contentment in the field? You never married. You're single. How did, how did the Lord work in your heart? When I was in Bible school, I was engaged to be married to a doctor who was going to um, call to Africa, uh, was then Tanganyika, it's now Tanzania. Hmm. And um, when I was sure that God was calling me to the Muslim world, it was rough. Mm-hmm. We agreed both of us agreed to break our engagement because he was convinced that God was calling him to Africa. Wow. And um, I remember I cried a whole night hmm. battling with it. I knew I, I heard God's voice, mm-hmm. but it, it hurt. Mm-hmm. And um, so then I think we thought at that time it would be like Abraham offering up Isaac. We'd get back together. Mm-hmm. It didn't happen. Mm-hmm. But I think that initial breaking of a a relationship sort of helped me Hmm. to realize that marriage is good. My best friends in the world are marriage, Mm -hmm. married. I don't, don't, um, I'm not against marriage, but um, God has chosen for me a better path. Hmm. That's being completely um, ready to uh, serve him happily as a single woman. Hmm. How could you encourage um, some of our listeners who might be single and, and not aren't content with that? How could you encourage their hearts today? You know, so often in the Bible, God has used single women. I think of Deborah, mm-hmm. who led a whole army. She was single. Mm-hmm. And there are many other women. We don't know if they're married, but I think Mary of Bethany was single. And uh, I love children, and I'm crazy about kids, but... Um, you married ladies know mothering children is not is more than a full-time job. <laughs> and so it's, it's freed me uh, to be able to be available to, for whatever God wants. Mm-hmm. So girls don't fight it. Mm-hmm. It's great. 
Mm-hmm. But you said you, you love children. You never have had children of your own, but you've raised many children. And there are actually some namesakes in Jordan. There are three little Aileens yes. in Jordan. My granddaughters, uh, it's been my privilege mm-hmm. um, to raise um, many orphan children or, mm-hmm. or abandoned children. And the last little girl I had, uh, was she was very uh, neglected. So I keep them in my house and uh, just love on them. Hmm. So we talked about Dr. Eleanor. You mentioned her. Um, could you tell us about your um, sanatorium and the work you've been doing? I hadn't met Eleanor Salto until I went to study, uh, study Arabic in Bethlehem. Mm-hmm. And uh, Eleanor was a pulmonologist who herself had four years in a sanatorium in Albuquerque for tuberculosis. Mm. And she specialized in chest diseases mm. and uh, came to Jordan the year before. She came in 1954. I came in 55. Mm. And I met her. And I learned a lot from her. She was a missionary kid from Korea. And so I learned a lot about continuing in prayer. I'm very enthusiastic in the start, and I get I prayed for a long time, and nothing's <laughs> happened. Let's think about something else. But Eleanor used to say, she called me dearie, and that sometimes would make, when I was really complaining, she'd say, rejoice, dearie, and I would like to kill her. <laughs> I didn't want to rejoice, I wanted to complain. But I, I was blessed to have a, a fellow missionary mm-hmm. mentor in Eleanor Salto. And at 88 years old, what does it mean to have served so faithfully for 64 years? A blessing, mm-hmm. a privilege, an mm-hmm. honor. I think of, when I think of you, I think of Philippians 1.6, which Franklin mentioned a couple weeks ago, being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. That's what I think of when I think of you. You just kept carrying that torch. You keep carrying it. You are not retired. You continue to serve. And um, can you just tell us, when you, when you did get weary, what would you do? You said you relied on the Word. Go read a book mm-hmm. or... or uh... Play with my babies. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. What motivates you today? The call of God that came to me 90 years ago mm-hmm. to be his, be his witness among people who've never heard the gospel. Mm-hmm. There's a quote by Teddy Roosevelt that says, For us is the life action of strenuous performance of duty. Let us live in the harness, striving mightily. Let us rather run the risk of wearing out than rusting out. And I love it because you you always wanted to run the risk of wearing out, not resting out. And I think so often, especially in America, we can become comfortable and, yes. and rust out rather than wear yes. out. It's a privilege so, to, to wear out. Yes. Yeah, so Hopefully can, it won't be too long. <laughs> My um, wearing is out. <laughs> but you're eager to get back. You, you oh, don't yes. want to stop working and you, you continue to tirelessly serve. How can you encourage the audience to do that? wherever they are. Look at the need. Mm. Here in America, wherever you are, there are needy people, mm-hmm. people that maybe not, don't need have physical or material mm-hmm. needs, but they need the gospel. And so I think uh, if you look at the need and you're loving the Lord, you'll see through his heart mm-hmm. and his eyes the needs of people. Mm-hmm. That'll keep you busy. Mm-hmm. And I know after... 64 years of, of ministry, you can't give us just one story, but is there something you'd like to share with the audience? We've been through several wars in Jordan. Mm-hmm. Um, 
I remember one time Eleanor and I were under house arrest because of uh, it was a civil war in the 70s and um, we, had, we were in a smaller rented building then and uh, we needed to feed our patients. And um, so I was praying. I said, Lord, I've got 16 patients. We tried to send as many uh, home as we could, but these were too far away to go home. And I said, I, I need food hmm. for these patients. They all had tuberculosis and they need good nutrition. And I thought, I, I knew all the verses, my God shall supply all you. I thought, but I've got 16 patients and some staff members to feed. And I was, I knew God could do it, but I thought, you know, it was early in the morning and I had, we fed them lunch about noon. And then one of the, the terrorists came who'd we treated him for some other, it wasn't an injury, he had a cold or something. And he, he, came, he said, come down to the, to the door. So I went out and everybody was saying, don't talk to terrorists, they might shoot your head off. And he said, um, you took care of me when I had a cough or something minor. Mm-hmm. And he said, um, go away, uh, open the door and come back after 15 minutes. Mm-hmm. So the family inside said, don't do it, you're crazy. I said, there was something about him I liked. Mm-hmm. So I waited for 15 minutes on the clock and I went to the door and as I opened it, there was vegetables mm-hmm. and meat and uh, yogurt, the things that we Arabs love and our wonderful Arab bread. And um, so... God did it. Hmm. And I thought, and somebody said to me, can you, will you accept stuff from the terrorists? Mm-hmm. I said, God used ravens mm-hmm. to feed Elijah, Elijah so he can use a, one of the terrorists to feed us. Mm-hmm. And he did. Mm-hmm. And one other wonderful supply just happened recently. Mm-hmm. Our patients like to eat with their hands. Um, it's tr- traditional. It's not dirty. It's, not, mm-hmm. it's the way they do it. And they like rice that sticks together. Mm-hmm. You make little balls of rice. And the lady in the kitchen said, Reza, I, that's what they call me, I can't find any sticky rice. I said, oh, of course, there's plenty of sticky rice. I'll go to the market and I'll find it. So I went to the market to shame her. And um, I went to a couple of um, traders and they said, don't even look, there's none in the country. Hmm. I thought, well, she was right. But I said, well, I just have to learn to eat with a spoon or eat with rice, like long grain rice doesn't stick together. Mm-hmm. And the, the next day I got a call from uh, a non-Christian person, a person we call a pagan, mm-hmm. and he said, um, I've got a gift for the hospital. I thought, I said, could I ask what it is? He said, well, it's, it's good. Mm-hmm. And he was very... Will you accept it? I thought, yes, I can. If it's something bad, I can toss it. And the next uh, two days after I couldn't find the sticky rice, he brought a ton hmm. of organic hmm. Taiwanese short grain rice. Hmm. God's interested in little things. <laughs> that makes me cry that God supplies all your needs yeah. according to his will. So hearing your story, I didn't realize you were a prodigal. Is that how you connected so well to Franklin, did, that you saw something in him early on? He didn't impress me because he was Billy Graham's son. Mm-hmm. I met him first in Beirut in mm-hmm. Lebanon, 
And he looked like a hippie, <laughs> beard, long hair. And um, but in spite of the way he looked, there was something genuine about him. Mm-hmm. He didn't pretend to be anything he wasn't. Mm-hmm. And um, so one day he said, he was telling me he was, I knew he was rebelling. It was mm-hmm. I'd heard stories, many stories, and I thought, he'll get over it. He'll come round because I'd been there and done that. Mm-hmm. And I'd seen what God did in my life. And so one day he said, I'm going to go to Alaska, make a lot of money. We were building the hospital at that time. I said, come to Mufruk. You can build. You won't get money, but you can build. Mm-hmm. And so um, he went back to his parents it was God's time for this kid. Mm-hmm. I mean, he was, what, t- late teens. And um, so he went to his parents and said he'd met some lady missionaries that needed a car. <laughs> and he, he said to me once, he said, wonder God, it's a wonder God didn't strike me dead for lying. <laughs> <laughs> but his mother said, well, what's, where's he want this car for? And, and they said, Eleanor Salto. Mm-hmm. And she grew up with Eleanor Salto as missionary kids in Korea. They went to high school together. Mm -hmm. And so here it was, God's way Mm -hmm. of bringing this young man from medium-sized rebellion Mm -hmm. to Mufruk, where he worked. He worked so hard. And when we told him, some of the people that knew he was coming said, you know, you might get a problem. We explained to him the cultural things that we expected from him. Mm -hmm. We never had to do it again. Mm. He worked so hard. And I remember we had one very pious young man who they were painting the hospital and he'd write this other young man who was so good, he'd write, Jesus is coming. Hmm. Franklin would write under, on, with paint on the wall and paint it over. Franklin, who had a family name for himself, and he'd say, so-and-so is here in great big letters. Hmm. <laughs> just, just being himself hmm. and... Uh, so it was, it was God's time. Mm-hmm. And that's why you've been, from the beginning, you know, Samaritan's person, you knew Dr. Bob Pierce as well. One day, Franklin came back to the States, talked to Bob Pierce about us. And one day, Eleanor and I were in the hospital and this man came up in a big taxi and obviously a foreigner. Mm-hmm. He didn't rec- um, identify himself. He said, I'd like to see the hospital. We thought, mm-hmm. so? Mm-hmm. So we brought him through and, and we were just moving in to the hospital and we were poor in those days. God's blessed us since mm-hmm. then. But um, he looked through the whole of the hospital and um, he asked me my name and then he asked Elner and he said, what's your name? She said, Elner Salto. He said, I knew um, Stan Salto in Korea because yeah. Bob Pierce had a big project with the Korean orphans. Mm. And so I thought after he'd gone, I said, Elna, did you know who he was? She said, never in my life. Mm-hmm. And we were still not sure because he, st- he thought we'd know who he was. Mm-hmm. But Franklin didn't tell us that he told him to come out and see us. Mm-hmm. So after we were, um, Elna's father was still alive and she, she um, wrote to her father, phoned her father and she said, do you know somebody that worked with orphans in Korea? He said, oh, Bob Pierce. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so Bob Pierce he came to Mufruk when he was near to death mm-hmm. with uh, leukemia. He wanted to die in Mufruk. I said, Bob, you can't. Mm. The whole of the America will rise up if you die in Mufruk. Mm-hmm. 
And uh, Franklin was there as a, by then he was on the way back to being a strong soldier of the Lord. Mm-hmm. And I mean, it's a God thing too to see his strength today. Mm-hmm. And Bob Pierce dedicate, had made Franklin kneel on the floor in our a living room and he dedicated him mm-hmm. to a life with Samaritan's Purse. Mm-hmm. Now, I think Franklin was scared spitless, mm-hmm. <laughs> but it was one of those things that God does. Mm-hmm. And then you see, many years later, you see what? The fruition mm-hmm. of, of, of a prayer. Mm-hmm. I love the web that the Lord did, yeah. you know, to have all of you connected in yes. one way or another, but it's not an accident. The Lord was in this, yeah. and all He wants is our faithful obedience, and He will use it. He'll... Well, thank you so much for joining us today. It truly is a, a treasure to hear these stories from you. As we close, I'd love for you to pray for us, but could you also share in 64 years of ministry, how has the Lord grown and strengthened your prayer life? And can you give the audience some tips um, to pray and to strengthen that prayer life? I think you've got to be deliberate. It's not easy. Mm. And there are always good things that will take us away from prayer life. Mm -hmm. And I found when I had had babies in my room, the kid would get frantic Mm -hmm. just as I'd open my Bible. Mm -hmm. And so I I find a time when, uh, for mothers, when you're not bowed down with kids screaming to be fed, mm-hmm. having fighting each other mm-hmm. as kids do, and um, just find a time in your day when you can be alone, even if it's getting up that much earlier. I've got into the habit of getting up too early mm-hmm. for, for the West, and I still wake up at 4 o'clock, even though I'm here. Wow. And that it's just become, it's habit. Mm-hmm. And I think just... Um, it's not easy. Prayer life is, I think, Satan uh, attacks our prayer life with good things. Mm-hmm. Mothers, you've got 40,000 kids demanding attention every minute of the day, but there is a time. Mm-hmm. So I thought, fight to find a time when you can put the kids down for naps or bribe them with food or something mm-hmm. that they like to do and just spend time with the Lord. And as you pray, you'll find more and more things to pray for. Mm-hmm. And... Um, I find that I used to get by with a certain amount of time and now people say pray for me and I do try to pray for people as they ask that I I will pray for them. Mm-hmm. So I think you've got to be very deliberate mm-hmm. and very conscious that Satan's going to try and steal the prayer life from you. Mm-hmm. Well, thank you. Would you mind closing us in prayer, Aileen? Father, I thank you for the ministry of Samaritan's Purse what it's meant to us in Mufrak, Jordan. I do pray for my brothers and sisters around the world who are working maybe in relief work, in medical work, in orphanage work, in ministry, evangelism. Father, bless them today. Encourage their hearts. Help them to realize that their labor is not in vain in the Lord, but it will bring forth fruit as they serve in the strength of the Lord, in the power of the Lord, and wait to see his blessing in bringing men and women from darkness to light. Thank you, Father, for those who pray for the ministry here. Bless them and help them to realize that we wouldn't be in the foreign field if it weren't for people that give to Samaritan's Purse, who in turn enable us to be good servants of the Lord Jesus Christ in ministering to those who've never heard the truth. 
Hear us because we pray in the name of your Son, even Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much, Aileen. Thank you, listeners, for tuning in. And please subscribe to the podcast so you can be notified when we have another recording. Thank you. Thank you.